Welcome back to the first episode of The Wireless Noodle for a very long time. This week, I'm going to be talking about the Clean Dozen, which is a set of solution areas that will help enterprises to meet their sustainability goals. And I've got a couple of other interesting bits of research that I'm going to talk about too. My name is Matt Hatton. This is The Wireless Noodle, your weekly guide to the impact of disruptive new technologies on business. I should start with an apology. It has been a very long time since we recorded an episode of The Wireless Noodle. In fact, it's been pretty much a year. I was listening back to the introductory spiel for the podcast and it talks about a weekly guide. Well, it's been a little bit more like an annual guide, actually, but... We've got a little bit more time over the summer and we're going to try and record episodes weekly to talk about a whole load of the interesting research we've done at Transformer Insights and a bit more besides. Now we as analysts and particularly at Transformer Insights where we're relatively new, I mean coming up on three years now but most of that's been during lockdown, but we thrive on the exposure of getting out and speaking at events and, and doing the very public facing stuff and we haven't been able to do that in lockdown it's part of the reason for doing the podcast in fact was to try and get in front of a few more people get people to know about this great research that we've been doing but now things have started opening up and pretty much getting back to to normal really in fact if you're likely to be at any of the following at the industry of things world in berlin the iot tech expo in amsterdam the uh, Things Conference in Amsterdam, the Mobile World Congress Las Vegas, not LA anymore, Mobile World Congress Las Vegas, or the IoT Tech Expo in Santa Clara, all coming up in September, October. I'd be delighted to see you. Drop me a line, let me know, and we can certainly meet up. But that opportunity to get in front of people is the thing that's really uh, cropped back up again after a couple of years of not being able to do that. So that's that's fantastic. And it's largely that that's taken up the time and made it a little bit more difficult to, to get episodes of the podcast out. But that's not because we're short on fascinating material. We've absolutely got a ton of fascinating material and I will be sharing a bunch of it today and over the coming few episodes. First up, we published a report last month, well, a couple of weeks ago, July 2022, called Sustainability Enabled by Digital Transformation. Slightly dry uh, subject title, but what it's talking about is certainly not dry. It's an absolutely fascinating area. It's an analysis of the sustainability impact of new and emerging technologies. And how do these manifest themselves? Well, as a marketer's dream, fortunately, what, what came out of the research was that there were a dozen, 12 solution areas where enterprises can really uh, take advantage of using new technologies like IoT, AI and various other, other things uh, in order to meet their ESG sustainability goals. So we've termed those the clean dozen. You must have heard of the war movie, the dirty dozen, or maybe you haven't. If you haven't, check it out. It's great. But we 
taking our inspiration from that film, The Dirty Dozen, we coined the phrase the, the Clean Dozen for these 12 solution areas that include things like fleet management and smart buildings, more efficient operations, uh, smart city solutions uh, that really will help enterprises to drive their uh, levels of sustainability. These solution areas uh, focus on having a significant impact on electricity consumption, hydrocarbon fuel consumption, water usage and CO2 emissions. Collectively, those account for the probably the main measures of, of sustainability. We also delve into the often extensive benefits that can, can be brought from those solution areas to other ESG goals. ESG being environmental, which is really about sustainability, social and governance. And often those, those other areas of social and governance, the, these uh, solution areas can have a, a significant positive impact on that as well in terms of improving the working environment and uh, making organisations more uh, transparent. Now, I mentioned some of the technology areas that, that we looked at in, in terms of doing this research and included the likes of AI and distributed ledger, robotic process automation, product lifecycle management, additive manufacturing, whole bunch of others. But it's very noticeable that it's in the Internet of Things that overwhelmingly most of the benefit in terms of driving sustainability lies. Now, sometimes that's in conjunction with other technologies, particularly AI, but it's really IoT that's the, the critical technology area. It's the interface between all types of IT systems and the real world. And it's in the real world that savings in terms of energy consumption, water consumption, CO2 emissions and so forth can be made. IoT is where the rubber meets the road. It's noticeable also that there's a particular divergence between consumers and enterprise. IoT solutions deployed by businesses are very often explicitly done to reduce energy usage or in some way make a business more efficient. So there's a good tallying up between the goals of the business and environmental goals as it happens. For consumers, it's often less the case with a lot of these solutions, whether it be AI or IoT or whatever, deployed to improve a proposition rather than for cost savings, although there are some. It's also worth noting that we have to consider the whole life cycle of the device, allowing for the fact that there's a lot of energy used in the production and distribution of IoT devices, and it's in the run phase, the operations phase, that it's making the savings. So you have to allow for the trade-off between the cost of creating the IoT thing or the, the associated costs with using any of these technologies alongside the benefits that come during the period of time in which it's actually running. As I mentioned, overall, we've identified 12 key areas, this clean dozen where these digital transformation initiatives can significantly help an organization achieve their sustainability goals. Uh, these are discussed in a lot more detail in the document and comprise the likes of fleet operations. This is including a range of applications associated with efficient operation and maintenance of vehicle fleets. For instance, 
The impact on fuel consumption from such systems can be substantial. Fleet telematics can reduce fuel consumption by 15% and therefore the total cost of running a fleet by 6%. Supply chain is another area. It includes a range of applications used to improve the working and efficiency of supply chain operations such as sourcing, logistics, transportation, warehousing, manufacturing, production. There are some direct ways in which efficient operations in supply chain can have an impact on sustainability. So for instance, if you were to use container tracking, we estimate that results in a probably a two to 3% saving on fuel. But it's really in the indirect savings that there's more substantial benefit. For instance, the average company using an inventory management system, which fits within the supply chain idea, they can make space savings of up to 20%. And that comes with a commensurate benefit in terms of savings on electricity. Another area is smart cities. That includes a wide range of smart city applications, ranging from street lighting to traffic management to parking space monitoring. All of these ha can have quite significant impacts on either savings for the city or savings for the, the citizens. So for instance, a smart street lighting system can typically save cities 20% on their electricity costs. You may hear more substantial savings. For instance, if I remember rightly, Oslo, they talked about saving 50% on the cost of their electricity for street lighting as a result of, of implementing a smart street lighting system. The issue there is most of the savings were associated with using more efficient luminaires, more efficient streetlights. So while you're connecting them, you're adding in a more efficient, uh, effectively more efficient light bulb. And it's that more efficient light bulb that generally accounts for the, the lion's share of the savings. But the IoT piece also can make significant savings. So we, we think in terms of about 20% or up to 20% uh, savings. Something like parking space monitoring can provide benefits for the, for the citizens though. Can reduce fuel consumption in idling and searching for parking spaces by up to 40%. Another municipal service that can have a major sustainability impact is smart public transport. That includes systems for operating public transport more efficiently. Uh, it includes a few other areas like smart bikes and smart scooters. But thinking about the public transport piece, Overall, we estimate that fuel consumption and CO2 emissions can be reduced by 10 to 15% by those kinds of initiatives. Another one is smart buildings. In fact, that's probably the top solution area, including monitoring and control of building systems, including lighting, HVAC, windows, blinds, curtains, doors, uh, things like occupancy level monitoring and changing uh, the use of lighting and heating and ventilation, air conditioning and so on, according to to how many people are inside the building and, and, and so on. And the use of that can save energy consumption by as much as 10%. Quite substantial savings for, for, for many organisations. Smart grid is another, another area. I'm going to plough through most of these, these uh, clean dozen just to give you a feel for how each of them might have, a, have an impact. So smart grid. That includes smart grid operations, smart metering, the management of transmission and distribution networks, and uh, that can have a significant impact on, on energy savings. Uh, at a smaller scale, campus microgrids, being a network of distributed energy resources, um, can also be very uh, effective for managing power consumption. 
Another one of the dozen is, our, is remote monitoring and maintenance, which includes a range of applications for remote monitoring and maintaining condition of machines. This is classic IoT stuff. This can result in energy savings of around 10%. It can also add to improved original equipment effectiveness. It's a metric for the industrial sector OEE. Improved original equipment effectiveness of over 30%. Increased uptime of 10 to 15%. Numerous other, other benefits coming from remote monitoring and maintenance. Now that one's really about business impact. But who doesn't love something? that at the same time as saving the planet is also saving people money. Next category was smart healthcare. Here it's solutions used to remotely monitor the health of people. Here, the relevant thing is that hospitals use a lot more energy than other buildings. So if you can reduce the need for people to be in hospital, you can reduce their environmental impact. And these kind of healthcare monitoring solutions that we think of can reduce emissions by, sorry, reduce admissions into hospitals by 45 to 50%, thus reducing the electricity consumption by 20 to 30%. And of course, with wider ESG benefits. People just prefer being treated in their own home rather than being treated in, in hospital. And why not do that if we can? Another area we looked at was drone-based solutions for things like uh, efficient maintenance, monitoring of infrastructure in buildings, wind farms, various inspection uh, techniques. This saves hugely on, for instance, the jet fuel used in helicopters. And for delivery, for instance, the global warming impact per kilometre of travel is one-sixth that of motorcycle delivery by using drones, according to a study in South Korea. And they're at least 50% faster at inspections than doing the same thing manually. So drones, great savings associated with, with making use of drones. Smart agriculture, that includes a range of applications used to make farming methods more efficient while also increasing yield. Now, this is mostly about water savings, something that I will talk about in an episode uh, later on a couple of, of weeks time, just to drill down specifically on on water savings. But part of the reason of, of using smart agriculture is to increase yields. And if you increase yields, you effectively drive a reduction in the electricity consumption per tonne of food produced. So it becomes a more efficient uh, way of producing uh, food. Finally, efficient operations. And that's a bit of a nebulous term. And that includes other technology use cases that contribute towards sustainability initiatives, but aren't specifically related to IoT. I mentioned that IoT is at the heart of almost all of these initiatives. Well, it accounts for the majority of the technology in 11 of the 12 areas. This is the 12th efficient operations. It includes things like chatbots and robotic process automation, other forms of low-level AI that effectively make organisations' processes run more efficiently and therefore save energy. I thoroughly recommend you check out the report. A free sample of it on smart buildings. I mentioned smart buildings was probably the most important sector. Well, we're making available a free section of the report, the one on smart buildings. 
and that's available on our website. I'll put a link on wirelessnoodle.com. Now some news. What's happened in the last 12 months since I've been away? Uh, well, there's not really any way that I can cover all of that in the time available. So I've picked out just a couple of tidbits to go into. First up, a bit of a plug for us at Transformer Insights. Uh, so I want to tell you about a study from late last year. The PR company CC Group undertook a survey of the IoT community and looked at rating analyst firms based on their influence in IoT. Overall, we at Transform Insights rated sixth in the survey. Not bad, given that we've been only going for two years at that point, and probably three quarters of that, if not more, had been during a lockdown. And it's interesting to note that amongst one of the three identified categories of participants, specifically OEMs, we ranked as the number one most influential firm. The OEM category includes manufacturers embedded devices, which are then sold on to, to end user organizations. It includes the likes of car manufacturers, medical equipment manufacturers, and, and so on. Thinking of the report as a whole overall, it highlights the importance of analysts in the decision-making process for vendor selection. 32% of IoT buyers use analyst reports for information about vendors. 43% use industry analysts to identify and shortlist vendors. And 31% state that most purchasing decisions involve industry analysts, a figure which reaches 43% for OEM organisations. Just a reminder, amongst those OEM organisations, Transform Insights is seen as the number one most influential analyst firm. Nice. I will put a few more details up on the wirelessnoodle.com website. Now, that was a entirely selfish plug. What else? Well, we put out an update on our IoT market forecasts. A few highlights of that were, and everybody loves some numbers. Uh, we all remember 50 billion connected devices when we go back to uh, about 2010, 2011, people predicting 50 billion connected devices. Well, we've got a rather more realistic set of forecasts uh, sitting on our, on our forecast database. And we published a, a report which provide a sort of annual snapshot of, of where we are and where we're going to go to in, in 10 years. So the end of 2021, we think there were 11.3 billion active IoT devices, and that will grow to 29.4 billion in 2030. No hockey stick growth here. Compound annual growth rate of about 12%. Short range technologies dominate in terms of connections. They always have done. They almost certainly always will do. 73% in 2030. Uh, which is a slight reduction compared to, to the 77% it accounts for today, largely due to, I think, the growth in the low-power wide area technologies, uh, such as MBIoT, LoRaWAN. It's very interesting to keep an eye on that particular area of the market. In 2030, the consumer sector is going to account for 58% of all connections. We tend to have this view of the Internet of Things as being all about connecting industrial assets and so on, but... The lion's share of the IoT market is actually consumer devices. And of the enterprise segment, 30% will be what we term cross-vertical use cases. That's generic track and trace, office equipment, fleet vehicles, and so on. 29% of its utilities, most prominently smart meters. So smart meters is always the, the single biggest IoT application, and that will 
continue to be so. 20% of the enterprise space is accounted for by retail and wholesale. And that's a lot of that is payment processing devices. 7% by government, there we're getting into smart city solutions. 4% by transport logistics, so fleet management and so forth. And 2% for finance and insurance, which includes usage-based insurance. That's probably accounts for about 90% of, um, of the uses there. And more details can be found on the, well, I'll put a link on the wirelessnoodle.com uh, website. A bit more news. Last few weeks, we've seen a lot of M&A. No surprises there, really. There always seems to be a lot of, of M&A at the moment. In terms of consolidation in the IoT hardware space, we've seen Telit acquire Tally's cellular IoT modules business, what used to be the old Centerion, and they're now to be known as Telit Centerion. Uh, Tally's is going to be a shareholder in the new uh, entity. And it, what's interesting to note is the stress on them being a Western, in inverted commas, IoT solutions provider, by which they mean if you can't buy Chinese, buy from us. Because it's notable in the last 10 years that the market has shifted in terms of IoT modules to being uh, substantially dominated by the Chinese manufacturers. From a world where we had uh, effectively a tr more or less a triopoly of Centerion, Telit and Sierra Wireless as the as the strong three three players in the space, uh, they are now all uh, much uh, have much smaller share of the market. Although obviously the market itself has has grown substantially, uh, but there's been a necessity for consolidation. And in fact, just announced in the last 24 hours, uh, Sierra Wireless is going to be acquired by Semtech, which will be interesting to to check out. Semtech is. Uh, the company behind the uh, LoRaWAN uh, technology, or the LoRa technology rather, LoRaWAN is is standardised, whereas LoRa is a uh, the underlying LoRa technology is a is a proprietary one. And Sierra Wireless is a manufacturer of a lot of gateways, and uh, the LoRa technology relies very heavily on. On gateways, so there might be uh, some some strong argument there. Uh, and Sierra Wireless is also um, one of the companies that's combined a connectivity and and hardware offering, although not been wildly uh, successful in the last few years, has been has been somewhat challenged. So, um, be interesting to see what comes out of that that particular acquisition. There's a few other pieces of news we've seen. Um, Soricom uh, now working. Soricom is an MVNO uh, now working with Astracast to provide Leo satellite connectivity. Now Soricom's pretty interesting. They've got an impressive roster of access technologies: cellular, LoRa, Sigfox, and now satellite. It's hard to think of anyone who's got a set of offerings that covers quite all of those bases. And while we're on the subject of Sigfox, it finally got acquired. It has been going through a death spiral for the last, well, probably five years, really, uh, but certainly for the last uh, 12 to 24 months. And uh, finally, we have a, a buyer, and it is the Singaporean and Taiwanese and possibly a few other places, uh, Sigfox network operator, Unibiz. Uh, what they're planning on doing with, with Sigfox is that the technology will continue, but the commercial operations will 
disappear. And that's probably for the best. The tech is niche, but it probably has a niche. The business wasn't run particularly well. There were some unusual decisions and, and they didn't move quite fast enough to get Sigfox network operators up and running in the, in the market. So they lost that first mover advantage. Uh, generally, it wasn't spectacularly well run. Continuing on the M&A front, uh, in the MVNO space, we've seen a lot of MVNO, IoT MVNO uh, M&A in the last 12 months. We've seen Wireless Logic buying Mobius, which has got pretty strong play in security, and that continues Wireless Logic's uh, ongoing acquisition program where it's been uh, building its its portfolio and, and certainly expanding its, its, its capabilities and, uh, and footprint over the last few years. We've also seen JTIoT acquire TopConnect, which is an Estonian MVNO. It doesn't seem to bring an awful lot to the table other than maybe enhancing JTIoT's scale, which is, you know, a worthwhile exercise in, it, in its own right. But um, we would generally look for acquisitions that actually add something substantial to the to the proposition but maybe i'm missing something and our friends over at onamondo raised 21 million dollars for expansion there's as well as a lot of m a happening in the space there's also been a lot of money raised by particularly iot mvnos because money's been cheap and it's been uh, very very available in the last uh, few years and um I think it's that money sloshing around in the space that's been a lot responsible for the uh, for the M and A for the um, fundraising that's happened amongst a lot of the MVNO community. I also think eSIMs had some role to play as well. MVNOs are a lot more eSIM focused than most of the network operators having this this eSIM capability is is a good one for the MVNOs. I'll talk about eSIM a little bit uh, in a, in a few weeks time I've got something planned to to run through what the the current state of of eSIM looks like. If you're interested in the IoT MVNO space check out the IoT MVNO market landscape report that we published in November last year. I will again put a link on the wirelessnoodle.com website. What else do we have for you today? Not much. I've talked for quite a long time about the clean dozen uh, technology areas. So one request and one plug. The request relates to 2G and 3G switch off. As I've spoken about previously on the podcast, network operators around the world have been going through a process of switching off or uh, the term used often is re-farming of their 2G and 3G spectrum for use with 4G and 5G. This has meant that anyone using 2G networks, less so 3G since it's not really used for IoT very much, but anyone using 2G networks has had to switch out their connections. Less of a problem for anybody with a mobile phone, as you can just swap it, replace it for another one. You've generally got a long time period over which to to make that decision. And the operator will stop selling 
phones using the legacy technology well ahead of switching off the that network, or at least that's how it's supposed to work. But it's potentially a big problem for IoT, where you'd expect some devices to stick around for a decade or more. And it's a pain to replace them. You need to send a person out to go and switch out a module on a device that might be located in a in a very remote remote location the request is oh by the way i spoke about this in episode six so if you want to get a reminder about 2g and 3g switch off go check out episode six and have a listen to that my request though is that i'd like to speak to anybody who's been through one of these 2g or 3g switch offs we're planning on putting together a report on exactly that subject and it will be great to get as many experiences from real world switches as we possibly can. So if you've been through one or you know anyone else has been through one, please do get in touch. We'd love to talk to you. It can be completely anonymous. We'd be happy to share the results of the, the research with you, uh, but we'd love to hear from you. And a plug. We've got a stack of webinars coming up. We announced our 2022 to 23 series of webinars a couple of months ago. They're coming up, or rather the first one's coming up on the 26th of September, looking at 5G and mobile private networks, aka private wireless if you're in North America. In November, we're looking at how digital transformation will save the planet. That's all tied up with the clean dozen work I uh, spoke about earlier. In January, we'll provide a summary of the work from our annual CSP IoT peer benchmarking report, which is due out in Q4. And in March, we'll delve into the opportunity associated with applied AI. Oh, and in May next year, we'll share our IoT forecasts. Tune in, they're free. A link will be provided on the Wireless Noodle website, which you can find at wirelessnoodle.com. Next week, I'll have a bit more on the Clean Dozen, a dive into satellite LEOs, and a bit of our research on mobile private networks, which will feature in the webinar in September that I just mentioned. Just a reminder, if you're enjoying the podcast, I'd be obliged if you could leave a review. It's much appreciated. Links to some of the research that I've been referring to in this week's show, as well as the transcript of the recording, will be available on the podcast website at wirelessnoodle.com. Thank you for joining me. I've been Matt Hatton, and you've been listening to The Wireless Noodle. Thank you for listening to The Wireless Noodle. If you'd like to learn more about the research that I do on IoT, AI, and more, you can follow me on Twitter at Matty Hatton, and you can check out transformerinsights.com. That's transformer with an A.